Welcome to Sport and Order, America's number one debate show on the internet, hosted by yours truly, Mark Carmen. It is exciting to be here. Big topics today, and the best debate you're going to find is we've got two outstanding contestants. Look at them. They are ready to go movers and shakers in the sports world. Let's introduce them without further ado. The managing editor, and a slight favorite today, from the big lead, out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's an innings eater. You want him on the mound in your recreational baseball. And I'm going to throw in softball league. Kyle Coster is here. Kyle, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All accurate. And straight out of Atlanta, someday his Falcons will win the Super Bowl and his Braves will get back to the mountaintop. He is the lead staff writer at fansided.com. The man produces one million views a month like it's nothing. Welcome, John Bueller. Good to see you too, Carm. Good to see you, Bueller. Happy that you're both are here. 11 topics on the docket today. I am doing the scoring. You get points for creativity. You get points for intelligence. You get points for being a great debater. 30 seconds to answer each question. So hit it quickly, hit it hard, and get it out there. And we'll see who will be our winner in the now second annual a sport and order as we are back rolling, and we are so happy you are with us today. Without further ado, Kyle, you're going to get to go first here. We will give you the first topic as you are playing a road game here coming over. So is that all right with you? Can you go first? You got it. All right, here we go with question one, and this was awesome over the weekend. NFL players taking to Twitter to voice their complaints about training camp and when are we going to open today? We just had an agreement between the NFL and the Players Association. Daily COVID-19 testing for the first two weeks of training camp. And then after two weeks, if the positive test rate is below 5%, the league is going to scale back their testing to every other day. So the league listening to the players. Question on the board. Has Commissioner Roger Goodell and the league done enough to create safety and security for its players. Kyle, you're up. Yeah, simple question, simple answer, no. Uh, the best thing they could do is to get a DeLorean, go back in time, address these issues a few weeks ago when they could have been ahead of the game. The NFL had the advantage of seeing what all the other leagues were doing. They had the advantage of time, and they squandered it. And they get in a situation now where they had to be strong-armed by the players, all showing their support in unison to force a deal kind of at the 11th hour here to address those concerns. So the answer is no, and it's not close. Yeah, they, they most definitely did have the advantage of time. John Bueller, what say you? Uh, it's pretty clear that Raj has run out of runway. Uh, it's, it's pretty clear he was looking to try to learn from what other leagues are doing. And it just wasn't acceptable to the star players like Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Byron Jones, a bunch of other players who had their frustrations with how protocol was not being implemented. I think this is a start, but right now I think the players probably need a little bit more transparency out of the NFL commissioner, which sadly they're probably not going to get. I give the players a ton of credit for, hey, we want to play was a sweet hashtag and look, Yes, this is a contact sport, and we need some level of safety here that for whatever reason, I think the NFL thought that we were going to be in a much better position today than we actually are in as a country. So uh, they, I guess they got caught with their pants down, which was a little bit surprising, but uh, I guess not completely stunning as the virus uh, continues to 
surprise a lot of us off a good start here team Kyle with a slight edge after question one this means you get to go first here John in question two and we're moving to the field at least slightly and Dallas Dak Prescott not surprisingly I guess he's going to play on the franchise tag this year Dak wanted a bunch of dough and a short-term deal to get another crack at free agency in 2022 Cowboys, though, reportedly offered $105 million guaranteed over a five-year deal. Here's the question. Did Dak overplay his hand, or should Dallas have met the Dak price? John Bueller. I think it's a little bit of both, but I will say, though, what is Dallas going to do if Prescott leaves in a year or so? I mean, maybe they can go with Andy Dalton, you know, a, a Dallas Fort Worth legend at TCU. But, you know, the team is not going to be bad enough to draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in the first round next year. Maybe they get Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Maybe they get Jamie Newman. Maybe they look forward towards Keaton Slovis or Sam Howell in two years. I like you naming college quarterbacks and the history of Andy Dalton, which is interesting there, John Bueller. Good, good knowledge. Kyle? Yeah, I detected just a whiff of anti-redhead sentiment there, which I didn't really care for. Uh, but I think that. Dallas is not in a bad spot because, look, they can push this decision off to make another year. And if Dak has an amazing year, then great. They got that year for a relative bargain. And if he has a, a year that makes them reconsider maybe uh, that they don't want to pay him all this money and put him on a long-term deal. So I actually think that Dallas is in a good spot here and the pressure is on Dak right now in the immediate future. So I like you flipping it to potentially in a good spot because they haven't outlaid the money and there's a lot of uh... – bad contracts out there that are putting teams in terrible cap positions. But I don't know about a good spot. Like, who's going to be the QB in Dallas? And, like, how much better are you going to do? And sometimes you got to just step up. And if they were going to do this, why not trade him and and go all in on Tua and make a deal with the Dolphins who had multiple picks, which uh, I don't know about the foresight in Dallas right now. Well, let's move to question three uh, as we go back to NFL training camps, which are, of course, going to be a lot different uh, even with the agreement with the players and the owners now. So let's look at the rookies here. Should the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Chargers, should they use this year as a developmental year for their quarterbacks because they're not going to get a lot of play in training camp? Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert. I mean, these are some big-time talents, but they're not going to get the normal reps. Kyle, you're up here. What should they do? I think you got to get them as much playing time as possible. I think that Burrow is – an absolute no-brainer. He should start week one. That's why he was brought into Cincinnati. He is the future. I think the other two cases are a little bit trickier, but again, it depends so much on Tua's health. But if he's if he's able to be on the field, he should be out there. He should be getting that talent. I think it's going to be a weird year. I think the fact that they're rookies and there's no tape on them at the NFL level, I think will can act as an advantage for those teams. So I think they could actually win now more with them than their other options. To his health, most definitely uh, a part of the conversation here as well. John? Look, Joe Burrow is going to start week one. Uh, that's why the Bengals drafted him number one overall. You know, he was a redshirt senior at LSU. And if they don't win, uh, Zach Taylor's gone. As for the other two quarterbacks, um, they're probably going to wait a little bit. You know, to his health is the most important thing. Um, I understand that Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, give or take what he does, but Chan Gailey's there. He's had a lot of success with him, with the Jets. And then we've seen what Tyrod Taylor can do in Anthony Lynn's offense from their time in Buffalo. 
Ryan Fitzpatrick will not die. God bless him. I think he's. I, I if, if nothing else, I enjoy looking at him each week. We are. Uh, we're we're tied up here. Look, looking looking interesting here after three questions. That was. Uh, I guess you both are all in on Burrow starting, and I am as well. But he's he's been impressing the Bengals with his offseason workouts. The Tua thing is is the most interesting to me because I I don't know uh, how a the health and b if he can transition in that offense. And Fitzpatrick has played well. And the Chargers are interesting, too. But here, let's move to baseball, guys. And uh, our question four, with the labor negotiations now well in the rearview mirror, I told everybody that you would forget about that. Uh, It's been said ad nauseum that anything can happen in a 60-game season. With that in mind, John Bueller, who will be this year's surprise team to make the playoffs? It pains me, but... I, I think the New York Mets have a good shot. I think with it being a condensed season with someone like Jacob deGrom as your ace, you've got an established young player in Pete Alonso at first base. I think also the fact that you're playing uh, the AL East and the NL East in its entirety, you know, the cream's going to rise to the top. So maybe they get past the Braves, the Nationals, and the Phillies in the NL East. And, you know, maybe they make it in for the first time in a while. I'm sensing some fear from a Braves fan looking at the Mets might not be completely rational. Kyle? Yeah, I got to go with the Toronto Blue Jays here, and it's an off-the-board choice. But look, they're going to have a very unique year. They don't know where they're playing. There's only three sleeps until the season starts. It's awesome. But I think that in times of adversity, people come together. They're going to make the best of the situation. They're going to be – it's going to be like a travel ball team. They're going to have a real sense of community. They got a lot of second-generation stars. I think you're going to be looking at the Blue Jays. On the other side, I like the Cincinnati Reds playing a very weak AL Central because they'll get to beat up on the Tigers. Uh, They should just schedule them every game if they'll let them do it. Yeah, I think Cincinnati's got a great shot in that NL Central uh, with a bunch of teams fading back like the Cubs. I'm surprised nobody named the White Sox. That team is loaded. I'm a little bit biased uh, being in Chicago and all, but I, I really think that the White Sox are primed to do something big here. And I like the camaraderie you're bringing up, Kyle. That's right. Let's wherever they're going to play, uh, let's let's figure that out. We'll get actually uh, back to the Blue Jays in a second and their future, which is uh, super interesting. But uh, let's take a shot at something off the board here with either an MVP or a Cy Young Award winner, and you can choose either category here. Uh, but just make a case for someone who is going to shine above and beyond in a 60-game sprint of a 2020 season. Somebody who probably couldn't do it over 162, but could get it done in 60 games. Kyle, you're up. Okay, so you got to look at the numbers here. you got to look at who is going to be in the most games. Starters are going to be marginalized. So talking about the Cy Young, we got to go with a reliever. A reliever that gets in the game often, Adam Adovino, Coming out of the bullpen, he was in 73 games last year. I think there's a chance with the truncated schedule, they, a pitcher could appear in 40, 45, maybe 50 of his team's games, and I think that's the real value right there, uh, even if it's four and out. So I'm going to go on the off the board with a reliever. Woof. Did not see that coming. John Bueller. Uh, give me Mike Soroka of the Braves to win NL Cy Young. He's going to be the youngest starting pitcher on opening day since the late Jose Fernandez. Um, he's the first Brave to start opening day, not named Julio Tehran. God knows how long. Maybe he becomes the best starter the Braves have had since Tim Hudson in his prime. Uh, Sirelka was an all-star last year. He 
finished second in NL, NL Rookie of the Year and sixth in Cy Young. So I'm hitching my uh, wagon to Soroka to get it done. Wow. All right. Sticking with your home base, Braves, John, I, I, I'm going to give you another point just for being a complete homer on that. That's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I, 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 respect, I respect homers, which is why I'll make a homer pick, too, sticking with my homer squad. Uh, yeah, Kyle Schwarber is going to hit 7,000 home runs this year. Got the DH in the NL. He's going to settle into that. All of a sudden, Schwarbaum is going to be, I don't know, I'm, I'm putting him in for 32 homers one every other day here, basically, uh, for the season. Somebody like that, I, th- I think, could jump up, so I'll go with Schwarbs. All right, moving on. As we go to the baseball playoffs, see your future, be your future. Miraculously, everything has just gone smitteningly well here. We've gotten through the season. We've gotten through the playoffs. And now the World Series is here. The entire sporting world is fired up and they're watching. Give me the two teams that will be in the 2020 World Series. John Bueller, you're up. I'm going to go chalk here. Give me the Yankees out of the AL and give me the Dodgers out of the NL. These two teams have been close. It's kind of shocking. The Yankees haven't been to a World Series since 2009. First decade, they hadn't done that in maybe ever. And I think with the Dodgers, with a stacked rotation, maybe that condenses the season. And, you know, they'll get an asterisk championship, although all championships are counted equal in my eyes. It'll be cool to see the Dodgers finally win a World Series. Kyle, who do you have playing in this year's 2020 World Series? Uh, I'm gonna, I like Chuck, too. I like the Dodgers, and I like the Astros. Like I said, uh, with my Blue Jays thing, I think that the Astros are going to come together with everybody hating them and being against them. They're really going to benefit by not having fans in the stands heckling them every single game. I mean, if there's one team that has an advantage going into this year, it's them. I think that'll work, work out well for them. Second most likely, I, I know what you just said, but I think there's a real chance we don't get a World Series at all. Yeah, okay. You, I'll give you a point for just naming it, even though I basically create a scenario where it shouldn't be named. But for just pointing it out ad nauseum, that's fine. I, listen, I should deduct points from Kyle for naming the Houston Astros, but also having the courage to just step in there and be like, you know what, the Astros are going to be there again. Uh, that would make – at least that would make me sick. I think it would make most of baseball sick. And 2021, hopefully, let's just get out there and, and give them the booing treatment that they so richly deserve. Nothing – don't be throwing anything at the Astros not, and not uh, advocating for that. but. Some solid booze, I think, is, is warranted going forward. All right, last baseball question for you. Number seven of the day. Canada has kicked out their own Toronto Blue Jays. Now, they basically did this because they don't want American baseball teams crossing the border in 2020, but the Blue Jays are going to have to pay for this, and they're looking for a home. Pittsburgh is rumored to be top on the list. Buffalo really wants them. You can go off the board here, too. Anything is in play. Where should the Blue Jays play in 2020? Kyle, you're up. Got several options for you. I'll give you the real answer, which I think they should play in Pittsburgh. If it can't be Pittsburgh, how do these team names strike you? Buffalo Blue Jays, Green Bay Blue Cheese, Louisville Blue Grass, Charlotte Blue Ridge, New Orleans Blue Bayou, Kansas City Jayhawks, Florida Blue Angels, Columbus Blue Jackets. We can double up on that. I think, like I said, no matter where they are going to play, they're going to be a surprise playoff team. It's just a matter of what we're going to have to be printing on the shirts. I like the fact that you're calling a name change. That was You just racked up some points right there. John Bueller. In the 
like we're going to get weird here. Uh, let's put them in two AAA cities on the Eastern Seaboard. Let's try and see if they can play in Charlotte or Nashville. These are two cities that baseball may potentially expand to. I understand that there's not going to be any fans in the stands there, but maybe this is an opportunity for Major League Baseball to learn about travel. Maybe it's like, oh, man, this is easy for teams like the Braves or teams in Florida, maybe teams in the, uh, the DMV, being able to go to Nashville or Charlotte. I love that, John. That's practical. Like, hey, you all want a baseball team? Yes, no fans, but let's see what type of interest the TV gets in those markets. Let's see, uh, you know, what level of media coverage is going on. I like that a lot. But uh, Kylie, that was that was that was good work right there. That was a very strong uh, connection of state and and local names to the Jays. Very sweet. Good luck to you, Toronto. I, I feel bad that this is happening to the Blue Jays. You don't deserve this. Question eight. We go to the NBA. John Bueller, you're up. So Dallas Mavericks owner, who I continue to fall more and more in love with every day, Mark Cuban. Check out the Windy City podcast, by the way. Thank you for coming on, Mark Cuban. Uh, He gets in a tussle on Twitter. Texas Senator Ted Cruz uh, was yelling at Mark, and Mark yelling back about the national anthem police is out of control. Cuban saying, quote, if you want to complain complain to your boss and ask why they don't play the national every day before you start work. Question, is it time for sports leagues to get rid of the anthem and just play the games? Cuban with an invitation right there, at least a little bit. I don't think he's quite saying that, but should we go all the way? John Bueller, you're up. I think it's something to consider. I think they may need to go back towards what the NFL used to do and what college football does now where the, the players are in the locker rooms. I think it's cool that they play the national anthem at sporting events. Cause I mean, I don't go to them all that often, you know, I will put my hand on my heart and support the flag, but I understand why players are protesting. But unfortunately a lot of fans of the leagues we love to cover and follow may not understand. So maybe they do need to look at going in a direction. Uh, yeah, the, the locker room part, I'm not with you, John, but uh, I do like that you're naming that when you go, it's not that often, and it means a lot to you. That's very cool. Kyle, you're up. Yeah, you know, I haven't accomplished much in this life, but I think I was the first person to write that they should stop playing the national anthem before every single sporting event back in 2016. Was not well received at the time. It's amazing how much has changed in four years, and I'm kind of happy to see more people moving over to my side. What I've always said is, Save it for special events. Save it for for big games. Save it for meaningful, patriotic things. And again, like what John said, yes, a lot of people going and they're seeing it for the first time in a year or whatever like that. It means something, but less is more when it comes to the national anthem because it, it has more power that way. I, I am I am I am with you, Kyle, and congrats on writing that in, in 2016 and taking on the fire that I'm sure was was coming your way. Might maybe it's time for a 2020 piece at the big lead coming back here as we, we, we revisit this thing. We can talk about that offline, by the way. I don't want to step into uh, your area at all either. Uh, you, you can make these decisions. Let's go to question nine, and we're sticking with the NBA. And one guy that I think we all respect, and that's Jerry West, the uh, legendary Hall of Famer, also outstanding NBA executive who's helped a ton of teams, including the Golden State Warriors. And he recently put some praise on Clay Thompson. He called him, quote, one of the most underrated players in the league. We'll give you credit, Clay, and we're not even going to argue with Jerry. But I'll ask the question, who else belongs in the discussion with Clay 
as an underappreciated asset? Kyle, you're up. You know, I think the first answer that came to my mind was Serge Ibaka. I've always liked his game. I don't think he – I think he's a huge factor off the bench. I think the real question here is – the real answer is who can use it as motivation, right? Because the term underappreciated or undervalued, that has been morphed so many ways. So whichever player needs that chip on their shoulder to be identified as a coach is, hey, you are a person who's not getting the proper credit. That's who they should aim it toward. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and let John catch up on this one. <laughs> you, you, did, you, you did play very nice right there. John Bueller, you're up. I'll give you a point for being nice. Go ahead. It's in the sweet um, that I am. I would say in the annals of basketball history, maybe we're not giving Kyle Lowry enough credit for what he should be getting. He's a great player at Villanova. While it didn't work out for him at Memphis or Houston, you know, he's been there for the best stretch of basketball in Toronto history. You know, he was there with DeMar DeRozan. You couldn't really separate the two. Obviously, they trade DeMar for Kawhi, Pascal Siakam rises, and, you know, Lowry's a champion now. I think um, I think he is pretty underrated right now. I like you bringing up that he plays nice with others. He was great for DeMar, and he's been great for Pascal and Kawhi. And, yes, the Raptors, by the way, are a dark horse, I think, in the Eastern Conference. Kyle Lowry's a good call there, Bueller. I'm going to give you one extra point for bringing up his college career and his NBA journey. That's, um, I, 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 that's, that's impressive by, by John Bueller right there with his, again, showing his sports knowledge. Uh, we go to our, we're down to our final two questions here. Bueller, you have a chance to take the lead here going first. Uh, yeah, the Lakers, the team that I am bothered by the most in the league, but has a great chance to do it uh, once again here this year. So their head coach, Frank Vogel, he's out campaigning for LeBron James to win the MVP. And LeBron has never done this before, but he leads the league in assists, and he's also averaging nearly 26 a night. Is Vogel right that LeBron deserves to win the award, which would be the fifth time in his career? John Bueller. Why not? I mean, it's a weird season. We're only going to count stats up to March 11th. His two most recent games against the Bucks and Clippers, he was excellent. And I think the fact that, you know, there's really no flavor of the year. No one's averaging a triple-double. No one hasn't won it yet. Maybe you give it to Giannis again. But, you know, maybe give LeBron one more NBA MVP for the thumb. Maybe he has a snowball's chance of catching Jordan, even though he's never going to. I should deduct a point from Bueller even mentioning catching Michael Jordan, the greatest player to play anything. Kyle, you're up. Yeah, I think you got to give it to Giannis. Uh, I think that Giannis has won it on the court. I think if they were going to count what happened after this resumption, LeBron James would be the winner because I think he was playing well, and I'm sure he's going to come back and, and be in fantastic shape and all that. But another reason why LeBron shouldn't win it is I think this should be disqualifying. Frank Vogel out there campaigning for the NBA MVP for LeBron James. He doesn't need it. This is so lame. Come on. I think if you do any type of PR for your own campaign like this, you should be disqualified and give it to the other guy. I think that he doesn't need it, but I think that LeBron actually, in his own insecure way, might actually really appreciate his coach doing it. So I think Vogel is stepping into a strategy here because he, he wants to partner with a guy that, you know, maybe he's feeling a little separation during this uh, pre-now, finally, in the bubble time. Uh, Kyle, you, you're, you got two points there. On, on Look, Gian, Giannis Bueller, you're, you're, you're not giving enough credit for what he's doing over there. He's, he's close to a triple-double. Well, not really, but he's, 
His rebound numbers are absurd, along with scoring the basketball. His PR is off the charts. And the Bucs have the best record in the league. Nobody named that, uh, but that's why I think Giannis is, is, is going to get it, along with the numbers he's put up. We've got our final question. Kyle, you can jump out to the lead here. Bueller, you have a great chance. The only down two. And a lot of stories coming out of that NBA bubble. And apparently people are, there's the snitch line, there's the bags being, there's people ordering food, there's some players working out in their rooms. So here's the question. Who would be the absolute worst roommate, either in your room or if that's not allowed, right next door to you that you could hear late at night or early in the morning? Who would be the one guy you wouldn't want to be close to in the bubble in your living situation? Kyle, you're up. Okay, so the runner-up is the guy we just talked about, LeBron James, who is my favorite athlete of all time, so I say this with love. It's just all a bit tedious. I mean, just the the things around him, the ancillary things, I'm sure the rules don't apply to him. People are going as, and whatever's going on there. The real answer, Boban. Now, we all saw Harry and the Hendersons, right? We know how much of a racket it's going to make with heads bonking into ceilings taking things off the wall, eating all the food in the refrigerator. Just an absolute nightmare. Really nice guy, great individual, but no, just no thanks. I, I love Boban. I can't even – I cannot give points for that, even though I was very entertained by that answer. I know. Look, Boban, Boban's got a lot of challenges, but he's like widely considered the nicest guy in the league, has sat down with me and done a couple of interviews. Boban, you're my guy. John Bueller, you're down four. What do you got? Oh, without question, it's Ben Simmons. You saw what he did to that fish, right? I'm, I'm never going to be forgiven for that. He missed the entire lake. Uh, he can't shoot. I'm probably going to have to use the snitch hotline on him because he's just going to do whatever he feels like. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of tussle with Joel Embiid, which is just going to be absolutely aggravating. Um, I guess a close second would probably be Chris Paul because he'd probably use the snitch hotline on me too. Um, God, i got to think of something else real quick, but that's it. Oh, <laughs> great, great run at the end. And I, I love the Paul there. I, I wanted you to top it off with one more. but uh, and, and the vision, by the way, of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid having a fight at 2 in the morning because they're not getting along and waking you up actually seems like at least minorly possible. Uh, but our winner today with an incredible effort in his first ever appearance, the managing editor of the big lead, Kyle Koster takes it 30 to 29. Congratulations, Kyle. We go to our uh, first to John Bueller for his thoughts on his first appearance here and coming up one point short, John. Um, this is just typical land of sports for me. Just, you know, you can't win. Um, I just got to do better. Maybe I'll blow a lead next time. Kyle. You're the champion. Uh, try to keep your emotions in check as you talk to your fans right now about what it means to win this version of Sport and Order. Well, you know, I thought I was, I knew what being fulfilled was when uh, each of my two sons were born and uh, being there in that room and seeing the beauty of life. But I think that this really puts everything in perspective for me. I, I mean, that seems like a very accurate assessment of what just happened. And even though your video cut out for just a brief second here, you still managed through, kept your composure, stayed focused, and pulled it out by one, 30 
to 29. Thank you so much, everybody, for checking out Sport and Order today. We're on every Monday. We start live at 4 o'clock Central Time. You can also check out the podcast as well, wherever you go for your podcast listening. Thanks again to the managing editor of The Big Lead, Kyle Koster, staff writer extraordinaire, my hero, John Bueller. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you next week.